I've shared with you all before that I did not grow up going to church, that I became a Christian playing on my high school football team. Um, But once I finally became a Christian, that was it. Uh, One of the things I've discovered about myself over the years, and, and, and this is especially true when it comes to my faith in Christ, is that once I have determined that something is right, um, I'm all in. I mean, I, there's not anything that's going to dissuade me. Uh, I am all about it. I am. Uh, I don't like. I'm not one of those piece, people that kind of puts their toe into the water and kind of says, "Well, I'm going to try this out for a little bit." Once I've made the decision, the decision is what the decision is, which is a good trait for the most part. Sometimes it can be troublesome. Uh, you can ask my wife about that. But let me give you an example of uh, what I'm talking about. When I was about 17, 18 years old, I hadn't been a Christian for very long. Um, I went out for pizza with my mom and dad. It was one of the things that we always did on Friday nights at my house. And we, we, we continue to do that as part of our children's, uh, with our children and grandchildren even today. Every Friday night we'd go out for pizza. And on this particular Friday night, we went out for pizza. And I noticed across the restaurant, there was a guy that I recognized from the church that we were attending. And the reason why I recognized him was because he was one of the church leaders. He was one of the guys, kind of like Tom, who who stands up in front of people and um, is uh, more kind of uh, uh, obvious about his leadership. He would preach oftentimes for the pastor when the pastor was gone. Anyway, I recognized him as one of the church leaders. And I also recognized this. And I was completely shocked and dismayed. This church leader was drinking a beer with his pizza. (laughs) Freaked me out! I was, at that particular point in my life, I thought, what is he doing? And at that particular point in my life, I believed that Christians did not drink anything, anywhere. And it bothered me. In fact, it bothered me so much that here, this kind of esoteric memory, I still remember it 40 years later, and I'm sharing it with you. Now, some of you are squirming a little bit. You're fidgeting a little bit in your, your seats. Let me, let me tell you something. I do not believe that the Bible teaches anywhere that it is wrong to drink a beer with your pizza. All right? Uh, I, uh, there is something wrong with getting drunk, and we could, that's a whole other sermon. We won't talk about that. But just drinking a beer or two, nothing wrong with that. Nevertheless, the story makes us fidget, doesn't it? Because even though we know that the person that had the problem in that story was not the guy who was having a beer with his pizza, it was the 17-year-old immature Christian, there's something about that story that causes us to recognize that sometimes it's not all about us, right? That whether something may be right and okay for us, but it may not be for another, right? Well, this morning, as we continue in this um, sermon series that we have been um, up in the midst of for a while, uh, entitled Marks of Discipleship, which is basically finding passages of Scripture that help us to, to um, know what the life of a Christian ought to look like, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that kind of reminds us that um, it isn't always all about us. That God, that, that part of our privilege and our responsibility as Christians is to 
draw people into a relationship with Christ and not to push them away and what that looks like. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And as you're doing that, I'll, uh, I'll give you a little history as I try to do every week. Um, some, there are two books in the Bible, letters in the Bible that we know of that were written to the church of Corinth. Um, there's a couple other churches that, that um, have that are letters that were written to them. Um, but ultimately, there are very few churches that even had one letter that was written to them that it was included in the Bible. And I always found that kind of interesting. Uh, I found, because Paul had lots of, the, uh, the author of 1 Corinthians um, was the Apostle Paul, as you know. And he had lots of churches or people that he was responsible for, but it seems anyway, at least as we read the Bible, that there were certain churches or people that he paid more attention to or that he invested more in. And I always found that odd or I wondered why. And then one day it struck me, I know why. Because some churches, some Christians are a hot mess. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm 57 years old and I'm not exactly sure I know what a hot mess is because it's kind of a but, so let me, just t- let me just describe for you, hi, Brianne, uh, let me describe for you what I, how I define what a hot mess is, okay? Because I could be wrong, but you need to know, because uh, this relates to what we're going to talk about today. The way I have chosen to define a hot mess is a person who is, has got lots of talent and potential and charisma, but they're kind of all over the place. You know, it, their hair is everywhere, they just haven't figured out how to... Dennis has lots of uh, charisma and potential, but his hair is not all over the place, by the way. I just wanted you to know that. (laughs) Dennis, you did not deserve that, did you, brother? But a hot mess to me is someone who's got all their passionate and, and, and full of potential, but they just haven't yet figured out how to corral all of that and get it going in the right direction. Well, that is a perfect, whether that's the right definition of a hot mess, I don't know, but that is a perfect definition of the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth was was filled with people who were gifted and, and passionate and filled with potential, but there was one thing that the church of Corinth lacked a lot of, and that was spiritual maturity. Um... Paul could see, and and that's why I think Paul invested so much energy in them, because he could see their potential, but he also recognized their lack of maturity, so he was wanting to do whatever he could to help get them that potential going in the right direction. One of the things that the Apostle Paul saw in the church of Corinth that he loved, as a matter of fact, was that there were some people in that church who had fully embraced the idea of freedom in Christ. Now, what does that mean? Um... It was, it were, well, let me explain to you what it doesn't mean. I'll tell you that back in the day when Christianity was first becoming, there were lots of people who struggled um, believing that their, that their standing before God um, didn't have everything to do with the way they behaved, with how holy they were, with about them. So freedom in Christ was, listen, um, You are free, or you are holy, not because of your behavior, but because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did for you. That's where your freedom comes from. Well, anyway, there were some some folks in the church of Corinth that had fully embraced that idea, I am free, 
in Christ. I am free to do and be the person that I was created to be. I am not bound by a bunch of legalism or, or a bunch of do this and do that. I am free in Christ. And Paul loved that about them. But the thing that, they, that this particular group in that church lacked was an understanding, and this came from their immaturity, was an understanding that with great freedom comes great responsibility. You ever heard that before? I'll give you an example. Um, the, the city of Corinth was polytheistic, which basically means that they, the, there were people in that city who worshipped a lot of different kind of gods. Um, it wasn't just Yahweh or, or the God that Christians or Jews worshipped. They were worshipping Poseidon or the goddess Diana or what. There was a whole bunch of them, actually. And oftentimes, as part of the worship of these idols, um, they would do animal sacrifice. And um, this is what would happen. After they would present their animal sacrifice to Poseidon, um, they would sell the meat. I mean, why, why let it go to waste, right? They would sell the meat at a discounted price to whoever wanted it. So this is what would happen. The Christians of Corinth would walk, would saunter across the street after church on Sunday to the backside of the uh, temple of Poseidon, and they would purchase lunch, Sunday brunch, from meat that had been sacrificed to Poseidon or Diana or whoever, right? And they thought, it's okay because I am free in Christ. Well, there were others in the church who weren't quite so sure of that. They were thinking, this is blasphemous. What do you think you're doing eating meat that had been sacrificed to another god? You shouldn't do that. That's bad stuff. So, with all of that as the background, the Apostle Paul speaks this into the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, yes, listen to me. You are free in Christ. You're free. But be careful what you do with your freedom, lest you cause a weaker brother or sister to stumble. In other words, there's nothing wrong with eating meat that is sacrificed to Poseidon or to Diana or whoever else. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's just meat. Those gods don't exist anyway. There's only one God. But, never forget that it is your responsibility and your privilege as a Christian to draw people to God, not to push them away. Okay. Anybody starting to fidget yet? Because you're starting to see the point, right? You take it back to the story that I told you about earlier, about the guy that was drinking a beer while he was having pizza, and how there was a 17-year-old immature Christian who was, happened to walk into the restaurant at the same time and was offended by that? Is this Scripture saying then that he was wrong? It appears that way, doesn't it? But it doesn't sound much like freedom to me. The fact of the matter is this. Immature Christians can find all kinds of things to be offended by. 
I, I never was a part of a church like this, but I've heard stories of people that were offended because somebody played cards or because they danced or because back in the day, um, going to the movies was a bad thing. You, have you, you guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? That doesn't sound like freedom. What does that mean? Because this, if on the surface, it would appear that this passage of Scripture would say, well, don't do any of those things. If it might cause you know, little Craig Peters to, to feel bad, you better not do it. The good thing is this. That is not what this passage is saying. You're saying, well, how do you know? Well, I'll tell you how I know. Because Jesus himself, a lot of times, seemed to go out of his way to offend as many people as he could. Have you ever noticed that? There are so many stories throughout the gospel where Jesus would, would go hang out with a known prostitute, and people would go, oh, right? Or he would heal somebody on the Sabbath, and people would go, oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that. Or he would eat grain that was, that was supposed to be in the temples only for the, for the priests, and Everybody goes, he's terrible, right? Gee, there, there are so many examples. All, I think he literally went out of his way to offend people sometimes. And you know why I think he did that? It wasn't because he could. Listen to me. It wasn't because there was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't because he could. It was because he cared. Do you see the difference? You see, he did those things with a purpose. And the purpose wasn't about him to satisfy his own flesh or whatever. It was actually, you see, sometimes to draw somebody to Christ, sometimes you need to offend them. At least that's what it, the way it appears from Jesus' behavior. And sometimes there are you ought not do things in order to draw people, others to Christ. In other words, once you become a Christian, it's not about you anymore. It's about understanding that, that every moment of your life has the potential to be used by God in the hands of God to draw another into relationship with God. Every moment, maybe in a small way, some maybe in a big way. But if we would learn as Christians to live every moment of our lives believing that it, it, it may be an opportunity to invite someone into a relationship with God, it changes everything. First of all, it gives every moment of your life purpose but it also will cause you if you really if you really live your life like that it will cause you to start listening and paying attention more and god will whisper into your ear this is one of those moments one of those opportunities and he will he does that every day by the way are you listening in fact i wondered this week if that isn't what happened to that guy in the pizza place 40 years ago if the Holy Spirit hadn't whispered into his ear and say, in just a minute, there's going to be this, this kid from church that wanders in. And this is an opportunity. 
that he'll remember 40 years later. And he'll use it as an illustration to tell some people in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that every moment is an opportunity. Are you listening? That was a good sermon, wasn't it? Yeah. Let's pray. Oh, I love you, Jesus, and I thank you for letting us laugh and remember. I thank you for setting us free. Not to be bound up by a whole bunch of rules and regulations, but to be free to be who you created us to be. Not for our sake primarily, but for the sake of the gospel. I thank you, Jesus, that sometimes you want to use me to offend others. <laughs> and there are some days that you want to use me to care for them. Knowing and believing that sometimes in your hands that all of those things can be what you use to draw others into relationship with you. Because that's what it's all about anyway. So I thank you, Lord, for um, the adventure that every moment can be. And I ask that you would help us to remember to be sensitive and to listen for those opportunities. And then to be obedient and allow your spirit to be and do what, what you need to be and do through us as the body of Christ. We love you, Lord. Amen. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps Himself in light The darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me. How great is our God, and all will sing. How great, how great is our God. To age you stand, and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb. The lion and the lamb How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will sing How great, how great is our God 
so great that we can't even comprehend it. The things that we do, God, every day, we have no idea the ramifications that they will have on other people. And Lord, sometimes that scares us. But God, it's also something to rejoice in. It's also something that we can remember, Lord, that we have the ability to impact people through just the decisions that we make every day, Lord. The way that we live our lives, the way that we have joy in you. It shows people your greatness. God, we live in a world where people want to argue and state their opinions and, and, and get into disagreements, Lord, and, and go back and forth, Lord. But, Lord, we know that as we live our lives for you, sometimes that's the best way to share our faith. Because no one can argue with that, Lord. So may we be people who, who live a life that's filled with joy. But a joy that is, Lord, shown to be from you. So when people look at us, they say, wow. Even though their life might be filled with pain or, or difficult circumstances, they, they love Jesus. That has powerful impact, Lord. So let this song that we have sung today that declares your greatness not just be something for church. Lord, let it be something that is lived in our lives every day. That people would see it and know that you're amazing. We're free to do that, Lord. That'll cause no one to stumble. And it will have such a great impact. Let that be full of, of truth, Lord, that we embrace today. Your greatness is amazing. We sing that song, Lord, every day. With every part of our lives. So we want to be, Lord. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. So go and show people in your life that He's great. You do that, you'll be amazed. Maybe in 40 years, 
You know, there'll be somebody who preaches a sermon and says, man, I met this guy. Because, like, when Craig was in high school, that was like, I was not even born yet. Um, so you never even know, like, who's the little kid running around when you're out living your life. I think about that sometimes, you know, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I can, you know, I have to, like, control Stel because she can have a temper in public sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, no, I can get frustrated, you know. I can think to myself, like, the other night I was in the, uh, we got a time. I can share a little story. <laughs> Should they sit? You can sit for a minute. All right. I'm just going to share with you a little story. All right. You, what are you doing? No. So I was in the Taco Bell drive-thru the other night. And the reason why I was in this particular one was because the Taco Bell I normally go to, there was a line of cars out the front. I was irritated. And I thought to myself, what is going on over at this one? i got to drive all across town to go get my, my Taco Bell because they're doing something crazy in there. And I was late, and I was sitting in the... In, the, in, my, in my car, and I got to the other one, and there was just one car in the drive in the drive through I thought, this would be awesome. It was worth the extra trip to save the time in the drive through See, I have these deep internal conversations. <laughs> and as I was in the, I took, uh, you know, gave him my order, and I'm listening to, uh, you know, to uh, worship songs and, and, and Christian radio and all that kind of stuff. And it was taking forever, this car in front of me. I don't know what they did, but it was, I was just sitting there, I was just getting more irritated and more irritated and more irritated. And then I thought to myself, I thought to myself, I'm going to give this, this, you know, like they need to see that I'm, you know, upset about this because whatever. And then I thought, I can't do that because you never know what's happening back there. And I just wanted to treat them with kindness and to, to, to not lose my patience. You never know when something like that's going to happen because have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you're just ready to explode and then you, you, you're mad at somebody and then you get up there and then you just look at their face and you go, they've had a worse day than I have, you know? I'm telling you, that's what happened to me. This, this poor girl, she was just like, hello, here's your food. I'm really, and I, I'll, I just melted. Because the thing about it, like what Craig was talking about, when you have those, those moments in your life of the things that you're doing, you know, people are going to see those. People are going to see them. And they'll be talking about them forever. Because you never know how an impact, uh, you never know how a conversation you can have with somebody today might be to you the most insignificant thing. I guarantee you that guy that Craig was talking about uh, didn't even think twice. But here Craig's talking about it today. What is it that you're going to do this week or today that, man, you know what? It might never cross your mind. But the story that you tell about your faith to people can last a long time. So I know, I know you already heard one sermon. You don't need to hear another one. But I just wanted to share that with you because as we were singing that last song, I'm thinking about the greatness of God. And I'm thinking about how we can communicate that in a world that's so divided and so polarized. And when you, when, when you, when you speak your mind, when you try to tell people where you're coming from, it's almost as if words don't mean anything anymore, isn't it? But what we do shows people that we believe our Jesus is great. Amen? And some, you know what? Maybe just being here today has shown somebody that, that Jesus is great. Because you got up and you drove down here, and it's, 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 it's snowing outside, and, and you showed somebody in your life that you came to church because you love Jesus. What else can there be? I don't know. But I guarantee you there's something else that could happen even in your day today that would show people the greatness of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. 
for opportunities that we don't even know about, Lord. People that we meet in our everyday lives. God, I pray for that lady at the drive-thru today. That, Lord, she would know who you are and know your greatness. And for the people that every single person in this room are going to encounter this week, either in moments of frustration or impatience, Lord, that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit to know that people are watching, to know that people are ready to hear an amazing sermon because they're being treated with kindness and grace. Lord, you said that the world would know we are Christians by our love. So let that be the message that we share with everybody, God. Because you are great indeed. Go with us this week, Lord, into our lives. Let our freedom, Lord, be shown to the world that we have just a powerful faith indeed. So people would know how amazing you are. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.